Hello and welcome to Views from the Sideline. It's August 19th. I'm your host, Joey Tysick. My partner, Malik Hill. We just had playoff basketball begin. Uh, draft lottery's coming up tomorrow, so... What a time to be alive. Finally, we got a what lot of a stuff. What a time to be alive, Joey. Well, don't say that just yet. Wait till a little <laughs> bit after Thursday, because we are Pistons fans, so we don't know. Pistons have a good chance of getting a good draft pick but you know there's always that chance that they just get the worst possibility i, I want to start this off with a controversial question toward you okay I'm are the bubble playoffs sneaking up on being better than the regular playoffs um because the way people are playing right now without the crowds and distractions it makes they're looking dangerous i mean it's kind of like a joke question but also like yeah yeah i, I get it if if you like upsets then probably yes. But if I look at it really closely, I still feel like they're not playing the best basketball out there possible. Um, and obviously, like, in big moments, like when it's a close game down the stretch and you don't have the crowd yeah. yelling and roaring and stuff, that, that takes a lot of the elements out of it. But also, I think some teams need that home court advantage. Right. Like, like I think Milwaukee might have beat Orlando yesterday yeah. if they had a home court advantage. Like, especially, too, if, if you would have thought, like, if, if the if this wasn't an off year for the Warriors, could you imagine getting to play the Warriors not at Oracle? Teams in the Western Conference would be fighting at the bit to get into that yeah. because then the Warriors aren't as scary. Obviously, the Warriors have been super, super good for the last few years, but one of their strong suits is their home court advantage is probably the best in the NBA right now. Um, so I can see it on that standpoint. The other thing... It's just, I, th I think the atmosphere is hard. So I get what you're saying that some teams can just lay it all on the floor. We're going to talk about the magic one um, over the Bucks. Nikola Vucevic, my guy. And that was a big one where it's like that team is the eighth seed. They're not expected to do anything, but they don't have to play at any home arenas. They, they technically have the best home court advantage. <laughs> but um, they can just go out there and play hard and they don't have to worry about anything. There's no pressure on them to win. So getting an early win like that is a big deal for them. Um, well, let's backtrack real quick. Um, we'll talk about how we got to the playoffs. Um, there was a three-way tie at one point for the final seed in the West. That was kind of what everybody was wondering what was going to happen. The Suns pulled off the miracle, went 8-0 and in the bubble. Unfortunately, because of tiebreakers, the Grizzlies got the spot over them, and they had to play the Trailblazers in the play-in game. If the Grizzlies won, they would have played another game. But unfortunately, the well, unfortunately for the Grizzlies, the Trailblazers won, which put them into the eighth seed. Um, quick thoughts on the Suns and everything. That was super fun to watch. I wish they would have gotten in over the Grizzlies. I'm still kind of unsure about how the tiebreakers work. There's some deep analytics, I guess, in there. But uh, the Grizzlies weren't coming in at the top of their game. They lost Jaron Jackson a couple nights before. They still played really hard, though. They, yeah, they yeah, still they did a good. good job staying in it. Jonas Valanciunas played really well ever since Jaron Jackson went down. He even got a triple-double in one of the games previously. Um, but the, the Blazers are just rolling right now. They're probably the most fun team to watch right now um they're completely healthy we've talked about it a couple times 
Damian Lillard is playing like he does in the playoffs. CJ McCollum's playing really good. And Yusuf Nurkic, I feel like he's playing even better than he was he's, he's playing before like a top he got three, hurt. He's playing like a top three center right yeah. now. Yeah. Like there's there it looks like there's no question. Whatever matchup he gets, he has some slight advantage somehow. And it's yeah, he's looking really like really good. Yeah. And in that final in that play in game for them, um, Nurkic had twenty two points, twenty one rebounds, six assists, two steals, two blocks. Fifteen and seventeen in the first half. Like <laughs> The dude just did everything for them. And then, obviously, you know, Damian Lillard, he actually didn't have the greatest game. He was 14 of 14, though, from the line. Finished with 31. C.J. McCollum had 29. Carmelo had 21. Like, this team is just is deep, and they can get scoring opportunities from all over the place. Um, for the Grizzlies, John Morant did do what he's been doing basically all season. He scored 35 on that night. Uh, Dylan Brooks kept them in the game as well, along with, as I said, Jonas Valanciunas, and then the other, uh, you know, if we didn't have Zion and John Morant, probably the next up Rookie of the Year candidate, Brandon Clark, had a really good game. Uh, 20 points, a couple blocks, a couple assists, a couple rebounds, just a little bit of everything. Um, so it, it's unfortunate to see the young Grizzlies team go, but I'm sure they'll be back next year, um, hopefully even better. Um, so moving in. Is there anything you want to touch out on the Suns or anything before we get into the actual playoffs? Well, besides Devin Booker being incredible, I think these next like five, six, seven years in the West, there's going to be a lot of heartbreak every year mm-hmm. because it. Have you have you ever seen a time where there were this many up and coming teams in one conference that were all that are all fighting to be in the playoffs in the next few years? You've got the Pelicans up and coming. The Grizzlies up and coming. They lost Jaron Jackson. They're going to get him back next year, and they're going to get back to what they were doing. And without Jaron Jackson, Brandon Clark stepped up and looked phenomenal. He hit like five threes in a quarter and a half in that last game. Plus, he plays great defense. Plus, he's a crazy athlete. Like, Yeah. Yeah, they're up and coming. The Suns are up and coming now. Mm -hmm. I I think I said, did I say the Pelicans? Yep. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the Pelicans. The Kings have had their moments. All these teams – are looking like they have a chance to like jump in there and be surprises in the next few years. And there are going to be teams that get left out every year Yeah, that have those young, like star players. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a weird situation. Some guys might have to leave and go to the East because seeing one through seven was already stacked this year. If eight through 11 yeah. <laughs> starts to become, Oh, you got to have at least 44, 45, 46 wins to get into these playoffs. Like this, it's it's going to start getting really exciting, but it's going to suck at the same time because of how good these young teams can be. Right. And I mean, we've seen the Western Conference stack for years now, but with that many young teams that like are exciting to watch that we want to see in the playoffs. Exactly. That's definitely where it makes it hard and I I would think that this is where people that are um, in favor of having a one through sixteen seeded playoffs instead of East versus West, they have a good argument right now because there's a lot of teams in the West that a lot of people want to see, myself included, and I don't even still know if I'm okay with the one through sixteen seed because I like the East West uh, battle, but I can see the argument. Um, I also draft coming up. I think the draft is going to start becoming extra critical for these teams in these next few years because yeah. If you add that piece that can take you to the next level, Memphis, they get Jaron Jackson and John, John Morant back-to-back. 
Yeah. They became really good. If if those young up and coming teams Well and they can, got Brandon Clark in the same. Yeah. But if these teams can like just luck up and add that one piece that takes them to the next level, they can get in. If they mess up and get a bust, you get the team that falls back. Right. And all of a sudden, yeah, all those teams, you become the one that becomes a lottery team every single year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a lot of things are going to be start becoming crucial for these teams in the next few years. Yeah, and you just we've talked about it multiple times before, but that's basically what the Nuggets did. They got yeah. Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull. They swung on two guys and hit home runs. So it, it can make or break you, and now the Nuggets are talked about every year. They, they have been for a while, even before those draft picks, but that just puts them to that next tier that – Maybe they can keep up with the L.A. teams. Um, but, yeah, I think the bubble format was pretty fun. I think they did it pretty well. Um, again, it was tough to see the Suns go, but it was cool. I, I, it was glad, I was glad to see that teams were playing hard, even though if it was a little bit sloppy at times. Uh, so that led us into playoffs, which started on Monday. And it's basically, it's basically been like Christmas. Ever since the playoffs started, because yeah. you get games every single day, all day long, um, and they're just trying to hurry it along. And we started so, game one. Yeah, started off real, <laughs> real crazy right away. Jazz and Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets ended up winning this game, one thirty-five to one twenty-five. Big notes though: Donovan Mitchell, fifty-seven points, nine rebounds, 57. seven assists. Tried to carry the Jazz and would have carried the Jazz. If not for Jamal Murray in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jamal Murray for Denver finished with 36, five rebounds, nine assists. And I think 20, 20 of those points were all in the it fourth quarter. 18, uh, he scored 18 of them in the fourth in overtime. Yeah. I th- it was like the last three minutes of overtime of, four, of the fourth and in overtime. The one crossover that Jamal Murray had late in the game with a three uh, will be a top 10 playoff highlight. Probably for the entire playoffs, most likely. Yeah. Uh, it was incredible. Um, and right away, this game kind of... I was a little nervous about the Jazz going into the playoffs because a lot of teams were hopeful for them. They have had some injuries, but they just haven't looked very good. And I guess technically they still didn't look that great, but Donovan Mitchell was exciting to watch in this game and kept them in the game. But Denver is just... They're so deep. Yeah, I don't know how anybody can keep up with that. When you have Jokic scoring 29 and having 10 assist or 10 rebounds, didn't even get that many assists in this game. I don't know. And they're again, they're still not fully healthy. Like they're exactly. missing key guys that they they go to. And it looks like they don't even need those guys, which is the scariest part. Yeah. I if game 2 goes the same way as it did game 1, which I have a feeling game 2 is going to be just exciting. Because yeah. these guys aren't going to take their foot off the gas. They're just going to keep coming. Mm-hmm. This is reminiscent to me of that Boston versus Chicago series in 2008, was it? When it was just Ben Gordon going for like 35 oh, yeah. every game. Right, him and Ray Allen in like shootouts. Yeah. Just like back and forth all the way to a game seven. And it was one of the best series of like the past 20 years. If they keep this up, which they should, this might be one of the best like first round series we've ever seen because – I knew Donovan Mitchell was real. I don't think any of us knew he was going to be this this level of yeah. 57. Yeah. 57 just to carry your team. He broke the Jazz record for points in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. I think it was the third most in a playoff game in NBA history. Yeah. I mean, 
he he was just on a rampage in that fourth quarter. The step backs into the jumpers, just pulling up in people's faces, hitting threes. And the uh, the way J- Jamal Murray was coming back with it, mm-hmm. it was just it was one of the best battles I've seen in a very long time in the playoffs. Yeah, that pick and roll with Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic is almost unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I think is crazy too about the Nuggets, for me personally, is the production that they've gotten out of Jeremy Grant. There's been multiple times where I thought this dude's career was over because I just didn't think he was very good. Um, and he's kind of proved me wrong. He played 40 minutes in this game, uh, basically took over for Torrey yeah. Craig, even though he started, but Jeremy Grant just played better. There was, there was something one of the analysts said during the game. They said, they said like this, it's surprisingly Jeremy Grant and Nikola Jokic are like almost a perfect fit together on the court, mm-hmm. which is, it's, it's insane. Seeing how, how much Jeremy Grant has improved his jumper. Like mm-hmm. in, in OKC, he became a solid three point like guy. Like he's shooting like 33, 34%. But now, like his form looks better. Like when, when he gets the ball and he lets it go, it looks like it's going to go in like more than half the time. Yeah. And since he's a real threat, you have to guard him up close. And if you guard him up close, he's quick enough to get past you and dunk on you. So yeah, it's, it's ridiculous how much of a threat Denver has, is becoming. Yeah. Definitely a fun series to keep track of, which most of these games that we're going to talk about right away are going to go on today. So we'll be able to see a little bit better more or get a better idea of how these series look. Uh, the, the next game was the Raptors beating the Nets, uh, 134 to 110. Uh, those, that game is on right now, game two. Um, there's really not too much to say. The Nets, obviously, like we've said multiple times, they're down on their players. Um, yeah, they're they're actually up right now by five in the second, but are they? Yeah, it's uh, Toronto's still probably going to win it. Yeah, and the reason that the Nets were even close, their starters didn't play very well in that first game. Um, but Timothy Luwawu Cabarro, he had it's, like twenty six points. It is shocking me how seven well rebounds he's turning into. Yeah, he's another one of those guys that. You just thought he didn't do anything for like his first three years. No, he was he was also in OKC for a bit, right? I think maybe for like a season. I think so. He I was think, drafted by the Sixers. So I was just thinking, and then I don't know if he was on their team. I'll look for it a up. Season. Uh, the but, Raptors, though, they got a lot of production out of Fred Van Vliet. Hey, I, I'm he's, telling you, Joey, he's looking for that free agency. I'm telling you, man, looking for that money bag. But um, I don't know. It, it's pretty much a tall task for the Nets to do anything against the Raptors, I think, in this series. You, are you are you seeing him in the Pistons uniform? Can you visualize it a little bit? I still am up in the air about it. Come on, man. We'll talk about it after Thursday. Okay. Uh, yes, Timothy played with OKC last year. All right. That's what I thought. Um, I don't know how I feel about Fred Van Vliet being a Piston. We'll, we'll I, see about I, the draft I want, a lot. I'm right? like... I'm wholeheartedly convinced in it now. But like I said, if they get a top five pick and they can get a guy. Yeah, because there are a lot of good guards in this draft. And I would rather them. They also might take a big. So they need almost everything. Like we said, yeah. If they they took like a James Wiseman, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Let me finish the playoffs so I don't get (laughs) sidetracked because you know I do. Um, Is there anything else you want to touch on 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 the Raptors and Nets? Well, not, not really. Just. They're, the Raptors, they might have, I think I've said this before, they might have the best chemistry out of any team in the league. Because yeah. the, the fact that they don't have any true superstar, but Pascal Siakam is turning into one. Kyle Lowry, 
getting older, but it doesn't seem it looks like he's getting better with age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's crazy how well all those guys play together and how much Nick Nurse is getting out of those young guys, those second year, third year dudes that really shouldn't be this good, but are just emerging into like a great team. Yeah. The one positive that I will say for the Nets is that they do get to see what they have outside of Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And the biggest name that we're all happy about around here, Karis LeVert, yep. looking like he's going to be a perfect third guy for this team. Uh, uh, somebody convinced me that he could be sixth man of the year. Yep. And I kind of I I believe that. it. Have Kyrie and Spencer as the starters at one and two, and then yep. have Kar- Karis off the bench would be terrifying. Yeah, it, because it he's really proved would. that he can score. Exactly. He, he's figured it out in this league. He's a guy, when he came out of Michigan – I just thought he'd kind of be, he'd be like Tim Hardaway Jr. Like, you know, he'd just, he'd hit some shots, he'd be decent, but he wouldn't make, like, an impact. He's made an impact. Big time. Like, he's looked so much better. Out of, if you look at all these guys, Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway Jr. Him and Nick Stauskas were on the same team, and Nick Stauskas was Big Ten Player of the Year. All that, and then... For Karis LeVert to be the guy that came out of those guys, to he be was, the best. He was, he was the least talented out of all of them, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. He, he just yeah, he just turned himself into a... He's, he's yeah. figured it out. He's figured out his place, and it's worked well. So it's, it's fun to watch. Um, the next big series, uh, 76ers and the Celtics. Always a fun one because it seems like these guys are playing every year. Every year. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Celtics won the first game 109-101. Have to remember that the 76ers are without Ben Simmons. And as we saw in this first game, that basically unleashes Jason Tatum. Um, there was a stat showing that when the Sixers typically play, they have Ben Simmons guarding Jason Tatum, and they, he kind of locks him up. He, Tatum has struggled against Ben Simmons in the matchup. But in this game, he didn't have to worry about it. He scored 32 points, had 13 rebounds, three blocks. Yeah, In the... In the uh... The scrimmages, it looked like he was struggling trying to figure out like how to get back on track. Yeah, but he is. It looks like he hasn't he hasn't lost any steps. Yeah, he's, he's just right back to where he was in the regular season. And the other one that people were worried about is uh, what happened to Jalen Brown. Well, he showed up in this game. He had twenty nine six from three. <laughs> he had twenty nine points in this game, and then you're like, oh man, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had really good games. They must be like the two best arguably for the Celtics, but you kind of forget that they have Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward. Now, unfortunately, Gordon Hayward got hurt. He's yeah. going to be out for four weeks. Um, and it, Gordon Hayward, honestly, is looking like one of the best facilitators on that team. Yeah. Kemba Walker, is, everybody knows he's more of the scoring threat. Right. He gets the offense started, but once you get the ball to Gordon, he usually figures out how to get guys in the right position to make plays. Yeah. And Kemba Walker didn't have to do anything in this game. Which is a good sign. Nineteen points, which is yeah, right. Which is a good sign for the Celtics, I think, to see that you know their young guys are still producing. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have had their ups and downs throughout the year, so that's a good sign for them. Um, I was a little confused. I don't know if there was an injury or something. I don't remember. Uh, but Daniel Tice got the the start over Ennis Cantor. I don't know what that was. Ennis Cantor well, only I played eight since, minutes. Since Daniel Tice has been back, I'm pretty <clears> sure he's been starting. Okay. Yeah. I just haven't paid attention, I guess, as yeah, much. He's, he's been starting. It just looks like Cantor hasn't been playing. They've even played Robert Williams over him more. But Marcus Smart, he's the only downside that he didn't have a very good game. 
So going forward, if Gordon Hayward's going to be out for four weeks, uh, they're going to need somebody to step up for them. Uh, the Sixers, on the other hand, they looked pretty decent, actually, for not having Ben Simmons. Um, Shake Milton got some time. Uh, Josh Richardson looking good. I, I honestly think because well because Ben Simmons is out, he has to he has to take a few more shots. But I think he should cut down a few of the threes. Think so. Like he he went three of nine. I think if he shoots like only five or six, I think he'll be more effective. I don't yeah. think he's a, he's a guy that should be chucking it out there. He's he's a good shooter, but he's not like one of the best shooters in the yeah. league. Yeah, he's a little bit more of a slasher still. Yeah. Um, and then uh, off their bench, Alec Burks. Every time you think this guy's career is over due to like injury or whatever, he comes back and he produces for teams. Kid's still only twenty nine. I feel like he's been in the league That's forever. <laughs> he's one yeah, of those guys that's like you remember him back on the Jazz, and he was kind of lighting it up for a little while. And there was a point where I wanted him to be a piston. Um, and then he just he had injuries. He's kind of bounced around in the he league. Just, he faded in and out throughout his entire even without injuries. He yeah. he'd have a big like thirty four point game, and then he'd go back down to like eleven, twelve, nine. Yeah, yeah. He's never been consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I think the Sixers are going to be a little bit in trouble here. Obviously, when you don't have Ben Simmons on your team, it's going to be tough. But without Ben Simmons, it's just they're not the deepest team already. And so they're going to have to have somebody step up, whether it be Tobias Harris or Joel Embiid is going to have to be he more aggressive. He has to dominate. Sometimes he gets a little complacent and he shoots too many threes. He did a, like he shot four in this game, which is okay. But he's one of those guys that he needs to just try to take over for this team. Um, Al Horford is not going to do that. He's yeah. he's not the guy anymore. Matisse Thybul isn't there offensively yet. Yeah. He's he's a lockdown defender and can hit some shots, but mm-hmm. and Furkan and Cork Maz is just a three point threat. Right. Yeah. And then other than that, they don't they don't have much. So, Seventy Sixers got their work cut out for them, but it should still be a good series. And now that Gordon Hayward's out, it can be... it can maybe go to six. Yeah. Um, the nightcap. The most exciting game that everybody was looking forward the most to. Most controversial I think. game so far. Yeah, there was there's some stuff in this one. The Clippers and the Mavericks. Clippers ended up winning one eighteen to one ten, and you wouldn't know it, but the Mavericks were ahead for basically all of the well, game. The the way this game started, Clippers got out to an eighteen two lead. Yeah, and then the Mavericks went on a forty eight to fourteen run mm-hmm. for like a quarter and a half. And they were in control for a long time. Yeah. Yep. And then, unfortunately, was that in the third quarter? The, his his first tech was the second. Okay. So and it was is it was it was awful. It was so bad. So Kristaps Porzingis, uh, he only played twenty minutes in this game. He had fourteen points. He was looking pretty decent in his first playoff appearance. He got a technical in the second quarter. I'll let Malik talk about it. And then he got another one later in the game, got ejected. And so when you have your second best player get ejected out of the game, it's going to take a lot of, a lot of momentum out of your team. And it's just going to make it that much harder to win. Um, Malik, take it away. (laughs) So (laughs) Chris has Porzingis. It's a clean block. Everybody sees it. Everybody saw it after the replay. The block was clean. Ref blows the whistle. Chris Tapps gets angry. Shows emotion, 
it's something about showing emotion around refs. I don't I don't know what these referees are on right now. Gotta but keep people in line. I, I heard that there's a rule that if you if you swing your fist in the direction of a referee, they have to blow the whistle immediately. Mm-hmm. Which is absurd, right? Yeah, it's com- it can completely be. idiotic. It, it, it makes sense, but it, like he wasn't even like he wasn't looking at the referee. Yeah, he turned around, instantly got mad and swung at the air and said, "That's a terrible call." Yeah, and they blew the whistle. Mm-hmm. This this could go into a whole bigger thing with how the referees have been calling games in this. Yeah, in this bubble, but and just that- for you can't do this for guys that just show emotion. Guys get angry. It's a part of the game. Mm-hmm. People react to calls. People react to other players. People get, like, it's it's a part of the game. Yeah. And then later in the game, I think the third quarter or something, uh, there was a bit of a scuffle, and Kristaps uh, was trying to protect his teammate. Luca kind of got in the middle of it, and they got him with another one. Because yeah. once you have one, you really can't do anything. Honestly, Kristaps should have been smarter in that situation. Yeah. But... I can't get mad at him for defending his teammate. I right. mean, the the whole from the jump, it was clear that the plan was to bully bully Luca. Yeah, that's honestly been like against the tougher teams in the NBA. That's been most mostly the plan when they go against Dallas. Mm-hmm. You get physical with Luca every time he comes to the rim, make it hard for him to score, and eventually he'll break down and he won't be useful in the like later in the fourth. Yeah, Marcus Morris was doing a great job on Luca. Every time they switched, people were doing a pretty good job on him. Marcus Morris fouls Luca, grabs him, kind of like puts his arms around him. Luca fights him off. Kind of an old school bear yeah. hug foul. Marcus Marcus Morris walks back up to him and they start talking in each other's face. Yep. The proper reaction from the big man is to go, go defend your guy. Right. Kristaps mm-hmm. steps in the middle of it, gets in Marcus's face. They push each other off. They get separated. It's nothing. Yeah. It's okay, guys. Let's get back to playing basketball. That's all it is. And honestly, I think it would have been nothing if he didn't have the technical earlier in the game. That's typically what it is, is once you have one, that's your warning, and then you basically can't do anything because otherwise well, you're going to get another. After the game, the refs that ref that game said they don't pay attention to how many fouls a guy has, and that doesn't come into, like, that doesn't come into the decision-making process, which is, which is complete BS. Yeah. They all refs know if a guy has a tech. And, right. yeah, you know if that guy's on your nerves. You know if if like if the emotions are getting riled up, you know you know. Yeah, well, so, just think back to like 2004 and stuff. Do you think when refs came in and they're like, "You're refing the Detroit game tonight, and you have to worry about Rasheed Wallace and and Rip the, Hamilton," that they're not watch, watching that? Course. Refs were ready to like call text on Rasheed from the jump. Yeah. Oh, and people forget if they gave him a bad look, they were throwing him a tech. In like 2005 or 2006, one of the years after. Rip actually had more texts than Rasheed. That's hilarious. They were like both top three or but something. But there, there's a reason why Rasheed was was thrown out more than anybody all the time. Mm-hmm. Those refs knew, right. we we need to throw this guy out. Yeah, we're gotta, tired of him. You got to keep him in line. Exactly. So, yeah, whatever. It, it's nonsense. Those calls were nothing to me. Some people think the second tech was warranted. I think Marcus Morris also. Was it a double tech? Marcus I Morris. I can't remember if Marcus remember Morris either. got one too. My memory is thinking he didn't, which is absurd. He should have gotten one, too. But, yeah, that, that changed the momentum of the entire game. Dallas had a five- or six-point lead at that point. They still had it going. Their offense was playing well. 
And once he went out, Luca pretty much had to put it on his back, which he he did a pretty good job. Yeah. He he was doing great in that fourth quarter, giving it to everybody mm-hmm. and got to the line a whole bunch of times, but it wasn't enough in the end. Yeah. And again, when when you lose your second best guy in Porzingis, who had been playing good up until the playoffs, um, he's just got to be smarter than that. I know you don't, we don't really agree with the calls, whatever, but these are the playoffs. He's never been in the playoffs. You just have to realize the moment is bigger than you, I guess, one of those kind of things. Um, and it stinks because this was the Mavericks game to steal. Like they, they had a perfect opportunity. Luca, for the most part, played well. He did have 11 turnovers, which is yeah, a little he, unfortunate. In the, in the beginning like, in the, of the game, you could tell he was, he was a little bit like too excited. Yeah. He, was, he was too ready to go out there and like make plays and make it all happen mm-hmm. in, in the turnovers game. He's, he's only, what, is he 21 yet? Is he 21? He's 2021. It was his first playoff game. It's going to happen. He has so much time to like figure it out completely. Yeah. Um, and they didn't really get any production off their other guys. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith didn't really do anything. He's had a couple decent games. Yeah. Uh, Tim Hardaway wasn't great percentage-wise. He finished with 18. Uh, Seth Curry did all right. But they just didn't get any production out of anybody else once Porzingis went down. So kind of unfortunate. Um, on the other side for the Clippers, the other reason that this was a time for them to steal is that Kawhi and Paul George weren't hitting those threes. Yeah. Uh, their threes, Kawhi was one of seven, and Paul George was four of 11. Paul George didn't start hitting until later in the game, honestly. Yeah, which is kind of what Paul George does. But he finished with 27, Kawhi with 29, so they ended up getting their own. Um, but, you know, that was, again, they didn't shoot it that well. That was the time that the Mavericks could have jumped on them. And they just didn't. So this should be another fun series to watch. They're going to play again today. Um, I think they're in the nightcap again today. Uh, yeah, they are. Which shall be exciting to see that. Yeah, yeah. The Mavs, they need to get this one. They really do. Yeah. They need to be on their game. And I would they, love for Porzingis to come out yeah. and just ball out. They're statistically one of the greatest offenses ever, like mm-hmm. top three. So they should be able to turn it on. And they Luke has showed... His his style of game has been difficult for Kawhi and them on the defensive end mm-hmm. because they anticipate where he's going because he's so slow, and he goes the other way and makes a move and completely throws them off and still figures it out. So yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yep. Hopefully the Mavs get that win. Yeah, I agree. I want to see that one go the distance. Um, then yesterday, a couple of two big su- upsets. Yeah, big ones. Real surprising. Really shows what the bubble is capable of. Um. Starting off the day, the Magic and the Bucks, the eight to the one seed, and the Magic won. 122 to 110, and the, Ma- the Magic are still without Aaron Gordon, and they just, like, if you look up at their lineup. They started Gary Clark. They don't even look like a team, to <laughs> They be don't honest. even look like a team. I, that's disrespectful. Gary Clark. That is very disrespectful. James Ennis. Markel Fultz is out there. I I I, I get the James Ennis thing. Yeah, I yeah. never liked James. Markel Fultz. Especially when he was with the Pistons. I mean, Evan Fournier has played well, but he played not good in this game. He played well in the fourth. He played really. He, he didn't play well, but he played yeah. great in the fourth quarter. Which, usually he's like their second best scorer. For, yeah. So for him to not have a good game in the Magic still won by 12 is incredible. Obviously, my man Nikola Vucevic carried the magic in this game he had 35 he had his best game of the year 14 rebounds four assists 
How about the threes? Five of eight from the three-point line. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I've been a fan of Vooch for a long time. I, yeah. For some reason, I always picked him up in fantasy. Guy, guys that know, know. Yeah. That's, that's all you – guys that know have known for a right. while I mean, he's how been, good he's been. He's been stuck in Orlando. So exactly. that's, like, part of the problem. Um, but he's fun to watch. He's, he's, he's a big man that has a lot of skill, a lot of moves, and a great touch. Um, I still don't think the Magic are going to win this series at all. But yeah, you got to think, with the Magic not having Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon was impressive yeah. to beat the Bucks. I don't think they're going to win it either. But I think I think there are problems in Milwaukee. Yeah, I think there are I agree. serious problems. And I also, agree. before we get to that, I'm going I'm going to say something about the Magic. I think this win is showing some serious positivity and progress mm-hmm. with this franchise. Yeah, because. Going into Toronto and winning that game one last year showed they had some fight. Right. And winning this game, too, even though, yeah, there's no true home court advantage, but they're in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Those dudes came out and played their hearts out. Steve Clifford has been a good coach for a long time. Yep. And he's finally showing people how good of a coach he is. They have been one guy away for years. Bad signings, bad drafting. They got Aaron Gordon. He's a good player. They've missed. They missed on Mario Hazonia. It's all. It's missing on players and also not being able to develop guys. Yeah, they really. They have to just. If they just hit on one person in the draft, yeah, they they just can't hit on one. Yeah. I I don't know what's wrong with their scouting department. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but they they take so many chances on guys with potential and room for growth instead of guys that can come in and like play immediately. And they do it over and over and over again. Right. If they can pick a guy that can come in and just produce, they could maybe get a sixth or seventh seed in these next few years mm-hmm. because they have a little bit of a window. Nikola Vucevic is still in his prime. Mm-hmm. Aaron Gordon is pretty much like in his prime. Jonathan Isaac, we'll see if he can get healthy. He's had a bad string of injuries. We'll see what happens with Mo Bamba. But just they just need one of those dudes because they have a good assortment of veterans yeah. that they've gotten together mm-hmm. and a really good coach. Yep. And then on the other side, like we said, the Bucks seem to be struggling. Um, Giannis did what he does. He had 31 points, 17 rebounds, 7 assists. Shot pretty well. He shot probably too many threes. Yeah. He was 3 of 7. Um, so you'd like him to cut down on that, but I wouldn't yeah. chalk he, that up. If he's hot, loss. I don't mind the 7. But, yeah, the ones he was forcing later on in the game, too much. Yeah. Um, and then just, like, the concern is that they didn't have somebody else. Chris Middleton finished with 14. He didn't shoot the ball very well. Um, Eric Bledsoe didn't shoot from three very well. He finished with 15. Wes Matthews, 10. George Hill had 16. But George Hill is not. He, he can't be no. your second guy. This is the problem. When Brogdon, <laughs> Brooke, when, Brooke Lopez was really bad. Yeah, when, when Brogdon left, I think most people saw there would be some sort of problem. Yes, they won a whole bunch of games in the regular season. They're greatly coached. They have a perfect system around Giannis, but what do people really expect out of Chris Middleton in these playoffs? Let's mm-hmm. let's be honest. He's a twenty two point per game scorer in the regular season, all star, really good player. Has he ever been that guy that steps it up in the playoffs and shows I'm ready for this level? Right. Has Eric Bledsoe ever shown that he can step up in a serious way in the playoffs? No. What do what are people really expecting out of this team in the playoffs? Because yeah. I I've never expected much. I knew they'd win a lot in the playoffs. I mean, in the regular season, 
Giannis was most likely going to be an MVP again. Hooray, bravo, round of applause. Yeah. But when it comes to these playoffs, what more do you have besides Giannis? In the in these serious matchups, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's sketchy. Yeah, there, I, there are question marks all over the place. I feel like they haven't figured out their lineup because I haven't seen and like, how How do you figure it out, honestly? Like, Wes Matthews has played decent this year, but he's never, like, ever since he's kind of had his injury problems, he's never come back to what he was. He's, he's good for four or five threes, mm-hmm. maybe six or seven when he's, when he's really hot, but three or four threes usually. Yeah, and, and there's times that I almost think that they should play Dante DiVincenzo more at this point. Yes. Um, get him more looks. Use Wesley Matthews off the bench or something like that. Um, I feel like they just need to shake it up. George Hill ended up playing 27 minutes in this game because he, he played pretty good. Pat Connaughton had 22 minutes. But then there's a bunch of guys that are just kind of all over the place. They got Marvin Williams, Kyle Korver, DiVincenzo. Like I said, he only played 13 minutes. Um. I feel like they just have rotation issues, and I, I don't necessarily know what to fix. Um, but obviously, just other guys need to step up, and that's that's definitely a, yeah. a big concern for the Bucks, especially when you lose Game One. The Magic are going to have you know a little bit of momentum, unless they're hot shooting. Things start to look bad. Yeah, like they did yesterday, and like we said, the Bucks they might win this series four one mm-hmm. because the Magic are just an okay team. And the Bucks are just much better, and they have Giannis. Yeah. But, yeah, when you get to that later round, to the next round, most likely against the Raptors, I, I, don't, see, I don't see what the, what the, like, the plus matchup is mm-hmm. besides Giannis. Yeah, I agree. Um, second game from yesterday, which for some reason, <laughs> uh, NBA on TNT, they were dogging this game, saying that it was boring. I was always excited for this game. I was I was out during the game, so I I only saw the highlights. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really watch it. I was working, but um, Miami and Indiana have kind of gotten a little bit of a rival rivalry ever since uh, Jimmy Butler and T.J. Warren have kind of been at their throats. Um, and this game was close, like most of the game. Um, Indiana started off pretty good, and then Miami had a big second quarter to get ahead, and then. Indiana kind of came back in the third, and then Miami kind of closed it out um, in the fourth. Jimmy Butler just looked really good. He finished he's, with 28 points. He's, he's built for this. Yeah. This is what he's built for. Um, and now that the Heat are in the playoffs, they decided to sit Kendrick Nunn, and they played Goran Dragic 34 four minutes. He had 24 points, five assists, six rebounds. I still don't know how I feel about that. I understand that you want your veterans to start, so I could see that, but not playing Kendrick Nungan at all. I think he's kind of surprised. I think me. he's going to play eventually. Yeah, but playing starting Goran Dragic and not playing Kendrick Nunn, when you really look at that it, makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Was with say, that. When you really look at it, Goran is that good to where right. you, you see the production he he gave and what he can give you. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so then Andre Iguodala got a lot more minutes now. He's he played twenty five minutes. Um, another veteran guy, so they've been saving him. Bam Adebayo doing exactly what he's been doing the whole whole year basically um and then i think the cool part about the heat that they've been able to do obviously we've been talking about duncan robinson a lot he didn't have the greatest game but they can switch between duncan robinson and tyler hero like whoever's on that night they can just go with that guy duncan usually starts and tyler comes off the bench but whoever's hot that night i feel like will get more minutes and just to be able to have those two shooters 
um, just kind of fill in is really nice for this team. And then, you know, Jay Crowder, another kind of three and D kind of guy been around for a while. Uh, the heat are dangerous. They, they got guys. Um, I think Orlando, there's one thing they really need to figure out and they can't, they can't do it now, but going into the off season, I think they need to trade miles Turner. Indiana. You mean? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm in Indiana. Okay. Because I think at this point, He's shown what he is. Mm-hmm. He he always shows signs. He has games, but it, it look. I think it's clear at this point. It's not going to come together in what into what people think it's going to be. Yeah, he's best as he can still be a starter, but he should be like maybe the third option, mostly the fourth option, a guy that can pop out and hit those pick and roll threes. Yeah. A guy that can sometimes if you give him the ball, he can score in the post, but a guy that you can rely on for like twelve and ten, thirteen and ten. Yeah. That should be what that's what he should be relied on for because I think having him as one of your key guys, it's shown at this point. He's Just he's not easy. Yeah, it's it's not on that level. Yeah. I mean, so to be fair, um Victor Oladipo only played nine minutes in this game. He he got like smacked in the eye. They had to get him checked out, so he sat the rest of the game. Um, so when your best player is on the bench, it's going to be tough. So Definitely. to only lose by 12, that's decent. Yeah. So I'll Brogdon be- gave all he could. TJ Warren played well. Yeah. Miles Turner, he, he has to step up, even though I just yeah. said, even though we, I just right. said he's not what that is. But if Victor Oladipo is out, come on, Miles Turner. You yeah, got you got to do more somebody, than got to do more than four out. of eleven nine points. Yeah, and honestly, when when Edmund Sumner is playing twenty seven minutes, minutes. got to get out of here. Yeah, uh, Justin Holiday played really good. Aaron Holiday was playing good, but he got into foul trouble a bit, um, so that's a little unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, I think Indiana will be fine. I I don't think they win this series. I think Miami just has better cohesion and they they've got an identity. I feel like the Pacers just don't know what they are necessarily yet. And I think, yeah, I, I agree where I think Miles Turner is kind of on that that knife's edge of do they just move on from it? Yeah. Um especially with how good Sabonis is. Yeah. Sabonis didn't even play. What he's, is, he got hurt, he's, remember? He's, yeah. he's out, yeah. He's not so that's another thing about Indiana. You know, yeah. you don't have Victor Oladipo. You don't have Sabonis. It makes it hard. Um, third game of that night, OKC, Houston. Uh, Chris Paul being able to play against his former team that booted him. And then Houston without Russell Westbrook. Didn't matter, though. Uh, Rockets won 123 to 108. And Chris Paul heavily struggled early on in this game. He got it going a little bit later. Uh, he almost finished with the triple-double. Uh, Danilo Gallinari had 29. That's his uh, career high for the playoffs. So he looked good. But really, OKC just didn't get anybody else going. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander finished with nine points. They got 17 out of Steven Adams, but you know that's kind of what he gets, 15 to so many points, 12 rebounds. He did all right. Um, and then other than that, everybody was in the single digits. They just didn't get anybody else to step up and score. Dennis Schroeder was three of twelve, that, five that, from the three. He he won't shoot that bad again. He'll he'll get back on track. Yeah, so it was kind of a bad shooting night for OKC, and then the Rockets. Ever since they, I feel like ever since they've since they've gotten Eric Gordon back, 
they've kind of found their flow again, um, giving them that other spot-up shooter that they desperately needed. Uh, James Harden was incredible in this game. 37 points, 11 rebounds, uh, three assists. And then, like I said, Eric Gordon at 21. He had a couple threes. Uh, Jeff Green, 22 points in this game. That was a big step up for them. Uh, he's another one of those guys that kind of just stuck around in the league, and every once in a while you'll get good production out of him. 14 out of Ben McLemore. Yeah, that's that's good for him. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly think that I think these two teams look the opposite of what they will look like through most of this series. And what I mean with that is I don't think Jeff Green is going to score over 20, maybe not again. He has these types of games where he blows out, but then he goes back down to normal. Ben McLemore was hot, but he'll have his games where he's like he doesn't shoot very well. Mm-hmm. And I think OKC is going to shoot a lot better in the next coming games. I think they're going to figure out how to attack that small ball lineup, and they're going to get it going more. They're going to attack the basket more. I think they'll get more easy baskets. Yeah. And James is going to do what he does. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think without Russell, I think those pieces around him won't play that well that much because it's it's shown that, well, when James was out and it was just Russ and that team, they still played pretty well. Yeah. But I I don't know what it is. It's just this Rockets team. Mm-hmm. They're so weird. It's a weird team. There's no way they can go deep in these playoffs. I just I cannot I don't see, see it. it. Yeah, I agree. They 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 had they'd have to prove it. They that it would shock me the most to see them go really deep in these playoffs to me, because mm-hmm. this team just isn't built to go that deep. Right. No, I agree. Um. So yeah, there's not a ton to talk about on that game. Um. More interested to see what happens in the next game. Um. But the nightcap, the big one that a lot of people are looking forward to, the Blazers that got in through that playing game, got to play against the Lakers. We said. The Blazers would probably have the best chance of beating the Lakers out of any of these eighth seed teams. Because they're really won. not an eighth seed. Yeah, they're they're not an eighth seed. They've been number one in the West, and they've they've been top three in the West the last couple of years. Um, they won this first game, one hundred to ninety three. Kind of a sloppy game, obviously. Just seeing it off of the low scoring. Neither team shot well. The Lakers shot really terrible from three. Um, but again, you know, Damian Lillard doing what he does. He had 34 points, five rebounds, five assists. Um, perfect from the free throw line. Good from three. Nine of 21 from the field. It's not bad. Um, they didn't even do great out of Nurkic. Obviously, he's a monster on the boards and things like that. Um, CJ McCollum kind of had a pedestrian 21 points he was 8 of 23 of 8 from the 3 and Carmelo he didn't have a great game either necessarily but but he he had he hits that three in the last two minutes like he does every game and he got production elsewhere he had 10 rebounds five assists a steal and a block so really for not playing all that great from shooting wise offensively he played well in other areas um the one concern that I might have and also the other thing to point out is too they're going to get better production out of Gary Trent going forward. Yeah. He didn't play that good in this game. And Winnie and Gabriel didn't play bad either, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, my boy, got five blocks in this game, playing great defense. Good as a backup center. Um, Just come in and play that role. But Zach Collins didn't play in this game either. Uh, he's typically their starting power forward. That's why we've seen Winnie and Gabriel. 
Uh, he is supposed to be back, I believe, in the next game. And, yeah, I, I think the the only concern is that how many minutes they're putting on, like, Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum. I know you have to because it's the playoffs, but they've they've had to do that for a couple games now since they've been trying to get into the playoffs. That's maybe my one concern. Um, on the Lakers side real quick, and then I'll throw it over to you on your thoughts. Um, the Lakers shot 5 of 32 from the three-point line. Terrible. Danny Green was 2 of 8. LeBron was 1 of 5. Anthony Davis, 0 of 5. KCP, 0 of 5. Kuzma, 1 of 5. Like, it was just bad. Um, Anthony Davis, yeah, he finished with 28 points, 11 rebounds. He was 8 of 24, though. Even 12 of 17 from the line's not incredible for him. Um, and LeBron James finished with a triple-double, 23, 16, and 17, but didn't come up with the win. Again, similar um, to, like, the OKC Thunder or even the Bucks. Besides Anthony Davis and LeBron James, they didn't get production out of anybody else, and that's kind of their biggest problem. And again, I think for for me, what comes into question is that LeBron, not necessarily being passive, but when he has 16 assists and 17 rebounds, he's trying to get other people involved. This might be another time where he can't do that, and he needs to just score. He needs to be the guy to go to, not facilitating this team. And I know that's what he's done as he's gotten older, um, and it's worked out on other teams, but I still don't know if this team is is ready for that, at least in this series, because the guards for Portland are so good, um, and they're hard to keep up with scoring-wise. And the Lakers, besides Anthony Davis, don't have anybody else that could keep up with those guys unless LeBron is going to be doing the scoring. Um, yeah. And they just need... They need production elsewhere. Deion Waiters played a minute. J.R. Smith didn't play. Um, they stayed with Caruso, Kuzma, and Markeith, but none of them really did anything. I don't know. They they need to find production elsewhere. They they need to figure it out. Maybe play KCP less. He played 29 minutes, got a point. And that's not the first time that's happened for him. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm happy for it. I want the Blazers to win this series. But... What do you think about it? I think I'm not surprised the Blazers won this first game. I'm surprised. I'm kind of surprised on how it went. LA shooting so bad. But yeah, Dame and CJ. I I th- I'm really interested in seeing how the Lakers are gonna f- try to figure out how to stop them in the series because mm-hmm. I think once them two are going, it's it's unstoppable. I haven't seen a way how teams can like cut them off, double teaming them at half court and like trying to press them they've showed they can beat that too so yeah see i'm trying to see how that works honestly i think like half of this game it was really weird i didn't enjoy watching like half of this game because there was a point where every other possession it was anthony davis trying to force his way to the free throw line yeah dame Lillard trying to force a foul on a three-point shot like er everybody was trying to force fouls they'd get them and then if they didn't get them they'd like scream and complain like is it was really it was annoying for a little bit, yeah. Seeing them play that style of basketball because they just just play basketball. Mm-hmm. We don't need all that. But yeah, and at the end of the day, Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith have to play more minutes, and that is that is kind of a scary thing. Yeah, for, if you're a Laker, as, and that's because Lakers, of how yeah. well they played going into it. I think uh, so. I would agree with that. But I think 
going into this bubble format and in, into these playoffs, I don't think Lakers fans really figured that they would need Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith that much. J.R. was more of a joke. Deion was like, oh, another scoring punch. That's good. We've got some. At this point, it's looking like without those guys, how far can you go in these playoffs? Because yeah. I think Kuzma. And he's another, Kuzma, another one that looked good going into the playoffs. Yeah. On, on a on a really good night, Kuzma can give you almost 30, but it, that doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. He's most likely going to give you 16, 17, or 18. AD is going to try to be as dominant as he can. He, he won't have nights like this most times. His shot will be falling more. Yeah. But LeBron, like you said, yeah, he's trying to get other guys into it. He's trying to get other guys' shots to fall so they can be more confident. But in this game, too, <laughs> If God's shots aren't falling, and you you're still and you're still just trying to go for this twenty something point triple double, that's not gonna get it done. Right. I've I figured that in this series, AD would have to average close to like thirty five and like ten, and LeBron would have to average close to like also thirty five and ten. Yeah. Both of them have to dominate on the on on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's much choice at this point, especially even if they're like shooting well. LeBron can't take his foot off the gas. He has to keep going to the rim over and over and over again because he's going to score or he's going to get fouled. And, yeah, he's not that great of a free-throw shooter, but that's a better alternative than, okay, I'm going to come down, be passive, swing it around, get the ball again, get in the post, finally open shooter, okay, he misses. Yeah. That can't keep going on. You got to go down, attack, get it to AD, or go down, attack, and try to score. If a guy's open, yeah, hit him, but they got to switch up strategies. And I don't think Frank Vogel is a good enough coach to like figure out some kind of system to get these guys shooting consistently at a high level. Like they they've got to put their foot on the gas. Mm-hmm. No more no more yeah no more relaxed passive stuff. Yeah. And yeah they they want to make a championship run and we can't exhaust ourselves now. But you you can't have that attitude in this type of setting. You yeah. don't have get you don't have home games. In L.A., this isn't a place where the fans can get into it and you can just blow the, the trailblazers out. None of that. Yeah. It, it's time to step it up. I agree. So, yeah, we got more playoffs coming this week, this weekend, everything. So that's going to be fun. You can just get to see a little bit more of these teams, see how they're playing, and hopefully get some upsets going. Um, for the last uh, – we got like four minutes. Um, we'll talk about the lottery because that's on Thursday. Big night for Pistons fans. Pistons were the fifth worst team in the league this year. Um, their highest percentage chance is getting the seventh pick. Good times. At 27%. Good times. Um, 19% for the sixth pick. And then the way that they kind of changed the odds that they're like least likely to get the fifth pick just because the teams ahead of them are more likely. But they're evened out in the top four. So the Pistons in the top four have about a 10.5% chance of getting one of those top four picks, which, which is would still be, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Which would be incredible. Um, which compared to the golden state warriors who are last, they only have a 14% chance along with Cleveland and Minnesota. So it's a lot more evened out up top, which we saw last year changed big things for the Pelicans getting Zion. So you never know. But we are the Pistons. We have a 0.6% chance of getting ninth seed, so don't take that one out of the equation. Um, as we saw earlier this year, the Red Wings 
were poised to get the number one pick, and they dropped all the way to four. So, yeah, don't get your hopes up, kids. Um, but it's exciting because if the Pistons happen to get that top five, we can talk about some stuff, and I'll be really excited we about We can it. talk about some stuff, but I think there's also some stuff we got to talk about that you might not be thinking about. Okay. In the past few, not the past few, almost every mock draft I've seen over the past month, Everybody has the Pistons taking Onyeka Okongwu from Still? USC. Man. I've seen <laughs> Anthony Edwards in, in some places. But have you have you done any research on him? I like I most, know most people most people still don't know about him. He's he's more of a off not offensive. He's a long, athletic, kind of a defensive guy. He's a guy with potential. Yes. That's that's what's and scary. you know how much I hate that word. Yeah. And if if we're yeah. in the top four. I'm taking for, Wiseman over him. For, for Pistons fans, honestly, if we were number one, I would just go with the safest pick. I would pick Obi Toppin. Now, that's not what I want, but just so we don't mess this up, that's maybe what we should do. That might be messing it up, trying to be safe. Maybe. <laughs> trying to go too safe. That would be another thing to do. Now we're getting so deep that the Pistons are trying to be so safe that they make a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that too. But yeah, I, I think... If they don't take a Kongwu, I think almost anybody in that top four I'd be okay with. LaMelo, James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, Obi Toppin. I'm okay with either of them. I honestly think the only guys I'd be excited about are LaMelo Ball and James Wiseman. Yeah, I, I think like ultimately... Every other guy, I'd be like, okay, we'll see how it goes. Right, like Obi Toppin and Anthony Edwards, I'd be like, okay, at, at least we we have something. Yeah, I wouldn't be as concerned. Now, on the other hand, if we get the sixth, seventh pick, I'm going to be nervous. Because there's a lot of options, but there's a lot of risk in this draft. We talked about it multiple times. We'll have to talk about it next week. When I've we, hyped when up Killian Hayes a lot, so it's a lot riding on that one. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of question marks. There's a, there's a lot of good potential. Yeah. I think this draft is deep, but there's a lot of unknowns. I think the best players might be at the end of the first round and like a little bit until the second. Yeah. I almost want the Suns, who have a 3% chance to get the first pick, to get the first pick because of how well they played in this bubble. That's what I said. There are so many teams that if they get one guy, they could jump up. Yeah. And I mean, there's also like San Antonio, and those are super, super low percentages, but it'd be interesting. I'd rather see them jump up than like a Chicago or Charlotte or something like that. But yeah. We'll talk about that next week because we'll know where the Pistons are picking. I'm a little nervous about it, but it'll be exciting. Playoffs, more lottery talk, more draft talk. We'll see you guys next time. Magic in four, Blazers in four, Pistons get the first pick. Two brooms, eight to one seed. I don't think that's <laughs> going to happen. Let's okay. go.